Okay, so John chapter 13. Uh, this is what we're diving into now. This is incredibly important uh, chapters here ahead of us and the very heart of the gospel of John. Um, you know, if we can understand this, boy, you get it. You get it. If you get if you get Jesus in the next few chapters, uh, you get Jesus. You get everything. Um, and we're going to jump right on in here and get going because a lot of ground. And I'm just going to tell you beforehand, I'm not going to rush this because it's it's too good. It's it's like eating a filet mignon steak, driving in your car and trying to eat it as you drive. You just would be wrong to do that, right? We need to sit down, pull over, sit down and chew this and enjoy it. Um, so we're going to begin right here, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. And Jesus doing this. This is the third Passover festival we've run into. So that's how we measure three years of Jesus' ministry. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him. Now, remember, we've talked about this, the hour thing, that the hour was coming from a long time ago. He kept saying that my hour is not yet come. My hour is not yet come. And now in chapter 12, he says, okay, the hour's here. It's time. And he knows this is all going to roll out now. He knew exactly what he was getting into. He talked about earlier, nobody takes his life. He lays it down of his own accord. Now he's starting that process. So this is the night before. It says, so Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the wor- this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And, and another possible way that could be translated to the maximum or to the most, to as much as he could, right? Like all the way. He went all the way with them. And that is Jesus. That is how Jesus loves us. He loves us all the way to the end. He loves us completely. There's no limitation. This is what you could call uh, 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 unbridled love or or un, un, uh, un, um, what's the word? I'm looking for the word. I can't think of the word. Um, unconditional love. Love without boundaries. Love without limits. He loved them to the end. He loved them all the way as much as he could. And it's also important to note that it's interesting because it says that that Jesus knew the hour would come for him, and having loved his own who were in the world, he loved him to the end, the evening meal. So first of all, he recognizes, he knows who he is, and he knows what, what's happening here. There's no insecurity here. There's no, I don't know who I am, or I don't know what I am, or what am I doing here. No, no. He knows exactly who he is and what he's doing here. This is... You can't say. You might say, "Well, of course he's Jesus," but this is incredibly important for us because we need to know who we are and why we're here. We need to know and understand that we are God's children, and we're here to proclaim Jesus to whom so Jesus, like I talked about last time. We need to know that and be aware of that as we travel through life. And says the evening meal was being was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So here you've got, you know, the dinner's getting started. The first round, the first course is being served. They're all sitting there. Um, and of course, you know, they're not in chairs on table. Modern tables are in, in the Middle Eastern way. The table's on the floor. They're all sitting on the floor on pillows and they're sitting around the table. It's already started. And the devil has prompted Judas. You know, the devil, he's always working and he's always trying to prompt us into evil 
And that's his goal. And of everybody at that table, he found one who was willing. You don't ever want to be the one who's willing. You don't ever want to be the one that Satan prompts. But he's always looking. It's just important to know that, right? And so he prompts Judas. And Jesus, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. He knew exactly who he was. We need to know who we are. I, I, it's a big deal here. I think most Christians suffer from an identity crisis. And because we forget who we are, we adopt worldly terms. Oh, I'm American, or I'm Republican, or I'm whatever, I'm this, I'm that. I'm And, and, and not that anything's wrong with any of those things, but it's not our true identity. It's not ultimately who we are. Who are we? We are Christians. We are called by God. We're God's people. A chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood sent by God to our people to love our people and to proclaim Jesus, right? That's who we are. We need to make sure we know that. We're not, oh, I'm Mexican-American or I'm I'm Hispanic or whatever. Yeah, I know. Those are all technical terms that describe us and we all have them. But it's not who we really are. Who I really am is a citizen of heaven, of God's kingdom, and I'm sent by God. And the better we know that, you know, I love the old classic movie, The Blues Brothers. They would always introduce themselves and say, we're on a mission from God. And I love that because that's how we should think everywhere we go. I'm on a mission from God. I've been sent by God. Jesus knew exactly what he was, knew he was sent by God. So do we need to know that. And he says, it says, so he got up from the meal, took off, and, and you have to understand, it says, so he did this. Why did he do this? Because he knows who he is. Because of who he is, is how he acts. There's a direct connection. If you know who you are, you know how to act. You know what to do. If you don't know who you are, you don't know how to act, and you don't know what to do. But know who you are. So he says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around the waist, his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I'm sure most of you have all heard the breakdown on this, that this is what a servant would do. This is what if you had a dinner party, you would have a servant clean all your guests feet. This is a total, total humility move. This is what the slave does. This is so lowly, so humbling. And you got to appreciate the power of this scene. The Lord of Lords, the King of the universe, God Almighty in the flesh is sitting there washing these guys' feet. How incredibly outrageous this is. How incredibly powerful this is. What an amazing example he's setting. I mean, we get offended sometimes if somebody talks down to us or if somebody expects us to do something that we don't think we should have to do. And here's Jesus 
washing their feet, doing the work of a slave, even though he is the exalted one of heaven and earth. He's doing it. And it's not a stunt. It's not just a, oh, let me show you how humble I can be. No, it's how humble he is and should be such an inspiration and a call higher for all of us because we're sinful, we're prideful, we're selfish. We don't like humbling ourselves. We don't like being the servant. We want to be out there doing great things, looking great, and being, you know, unfortunately, we want to be held up when our job is to hold up Jesus. But here is our chance to be like him. And what he's doing is so incredibly powerful. You know, in in, in most circles throughout the history of the world, what everybody searches for is to be the one who gets served, not to be the one who serves. Everybody wants, I mean, even today, how do people judge churches? What will this church do for me? What will I get out of it? I get these flyers in the mail that, that, that share about a local church and how they can help your kids and they'll have a gym for you and coffee for you and they'll do this for your marriage and that for you and that for you. And so this consumer Christianity, people go to church expecting to be served and they leave a church because eh, it wasn't good for me. It didn't serve me. Where in reality, church is where we go. We should go to serve. We should be in the church to serve, not to be served. Jesus served. Jesus came to serve. And he says, and so he washes their feet, which, you know, they had a hard time with this because they're, they're beginning to catch on who he is. And, and he's suddenly washing their feet. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. I mean, you, you just, again, you got to always, you got to love Peter. He, he says it. The thing that everybody thinks that nobody else will say, he's always the guy who says it. You know, it's kind of like that kid in the class that would always ask the dumb question that you wanted to know, and you were just glad that kid was in the class because you're glad somebody asked it. Well, that was Peter of the group. He was the kid who would always ask the dumb question or say the dumb thing that everybody was thinking, but everybody else knew better to say it, but he would say it. And and so he's like, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. And and then Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's a very powerful thing, is you have to let Jesus help you. You have to let Jesus serve you. That's part of our relationship, is he serves us, he helps us, he blesses us. And if you don't let him, then you got no part with him. That's a relationship. That is our relationship. That's a very strong, strange thing for us to grasp. But it's 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 that relationship, that covenant I was talking about. The Hesed. Okay, he died on a cross for us. You have to accept that and respond accordingly, or you reject it. And this was a small thing. I mean, big in theological terms. God washing your feet, but small compared to what he was about to do for Peter, which was die on a cross. If you can't accept that, then you have no relationship with him. But 
he tells them this. Then the Lord, then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. And of course, leave it to Peter to try to change what Jesus is doing and say, no, no, okay, in that case, this, this, and this. And this is where we have to trust Jesus. He knows exactly what to do, how much to do, when to do, and how to do it. Do it his way. Don't try to add to what Jesus is doing. Don't try to change it. Don't try to, even in your zeal, which this was just Peter's zeal. Okay, Lord, then wash my head, wash my body, wash me. Jesus says, no, no. <laughs> you know, Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. You know, here's Jesus again, always teaching and then teaching within the teaching, right? He's, he's look, I'm, I'm making a point here. I'm showing you an example. Don't, don't change it. Just accept it and go with it. And, and it says, for he knew who was going to betray him. And he throws that little comment. Jesus knew what was going on. Jesus knew what Judas was up to. Jesus knew what was happening. Verse 17, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Okay, again, remember what I always say about Jesus' questions. Why is he asking this question? Is this question just for them? Or perhaps it's for us too. To think about why would he do that? Why is that so incredibly important? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is one of the most powerful lessons because basically it takes everything we know about leadership and authority and power and flips it upside down. It's the leader, the real leader, the godly leader, the good shepherd, doesn't come in exercising authority and commanding people. He comes in serving. He comes in riding a donkey. He comes in humble. And the power of humility is immeasurable. That it wins hearts over. That it melts and tears down divisions and separation. I'll never forget, I went to a, a wedding. And it was a couple, they were from two different countries. And unfortunately the country where the groom was from really hated and looked down on the country where the bride was from. And um, the groom's mother just totally disdained the bride, did not want her, looked down on her, said very horrible things to her, even from the day they met. It was just very rude. And that was like a dark cloud hanging over the wedding and over the marriage. And I'll never forget, in the wedding, um, when they said their vows, she got down on her knees and wiped his feet and said, I will be a servant to you. 
and I will will be here to serve you. And when she, as soon as she got on her knees, everybody got teary eyed. Everybody got so emotionally moved. Did she have to do that? No, of course not. But she didn't because she loves him and she humbled herself to him. And it broke the mother-in-law's heart. After the wedding, she gave her a huge hug, completely won her over. The power of humility, the power of love, you know, it was just incredible. And humility is one of those things that you don't have to be humble. You don't have to humble yourself. But boy, is it powerful when we do. And 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 the truth is, it, it also carries a danger with it. Because some people read humility as weakness. So it also requires lots of faith. Humility is, is kind of where faith and love come together. You know, where they, they, they overlap. Because you have to have both. And that's where you find humility. And Jesus, knowing who he is, knowing fully that he was sent by God, that he is God in the flesh, therefore, takes off his outer clothing, wraps a towel around himself, and washes their feet. What a powerful, powerful lesson for them. These 12 are about to be the leaders of the church who will change the world what kind of leadership does he want to establish? Humble leadership. Servant leadership. It's fascinating. I, I, I have been studying leadership for many years. As an undergrad, I took courses on leadership. And even recently, I started my doctorate in leadership. And there's so many theories, so much science to it about how dynamics of society and how we follow leaders and how the different kinds of leaders and theories on leadership one of the ones that's just totally popular now, it's like the world just discovered, is servant leadership. And that's a big thing now in the leadership world. And it's so funny because that's exactly what Jesus taught 2,000 years ago, the importance of servant leadership. And he asked him, do you understand what I'm doing? And the question is for us, do we understand what he's doing here as we our leaders, and all of us are leaders as we lead our families, as we lead our children, as we lead our Bible talks, as we lead our ministries. Do we understand the power and the importance of being servant leaders, of being humble? No matter who we are, no matter how rich we are. I remember uh, there was a brother when we moved to San Diego that was always putting out the chairs in the morning. And then right after church, he'd always be folding him. And I didn't, I didn't know what he did for a living. I didn't, I didn't really know him. I talked to him a couple times. Nice brother, nice, nice brother. And uh, I always appreciate him. It was fun to talk to. And then I find out that he was a captain of a Navy ship. And he invited me to a special ceremony where he was being promoted to Commodore, meaning he would now be the leader over several ships higher than a captain. And when I drove to the base and Michelle and I went into the base, I told the guy, you know, I'm here to see Commodore Captain so-and-so's uh, uh, um, ceremony. And he said, oh, you know him? He's great. I love being under his command. 
And then we went and the, another guy was walking up and he said, yeah, they're here for, for, uh, for, uh, Captain Cooper's, uh, um, ceremony. And he was like, oh man, I'm in his, I'm on his ship. I love being under him. And they just had such a high regard for him. And Michelle and I looked at each other. This is the guy who puts the seats out, the chairs out on our Sunday morning service. And he, he's over hundreds and hundreds of men follow his every command. But no wonder they love him. No wonder they so highly regard him. You know, his name is Mr. Cooper. And they, I don't know, I don't know where they are now. They, the Navy sends them all over. I think they're in Atlanta, maybe. But, but what an incredible man. What an incredible family, too. All I, and it was very easy to see why his humility and his servitude for others. Never thought he was too important to to serve, and that's that's one of those how we're the light of the world, how we flip the world over upside down, and we're the upside down kingdom because we do things so different than the world. And so here's Jesus, and he says, "I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you." Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. You know, if, in other words, obviously, if Jesus can wash feet, so can we. If you've never washed a group's feet, you ought to do it. I've done it, it's admittedly a long time ago, but it's a, it's a unique experience. It, it, it's such a level of humility. Everybody gets uncomfortable, but it's a beautiful thing for each of us. And it's a beautiful thing to do for each other, to just serve each other, to humble each other. And he says in verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We'll be blessed if we put into practice these things that Jesus showed us. The subject switches, so I'm going to use, I'm just going to stop right here. I think the the things that we've learned, just even in these first 17 verses, is so incredibly powerful. And I want to challenge you to just meditate on this, to just stop and think about what Jesus did here and how incredibly powerful that is. And he's just getting warmed up because he's going to do a lot more. But how incredibly powerful that he started this evening washing their feet. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We'll stop there.